0: Welcome to season three of the Iceman Kicking Podcast. My name is Brett Arkellian. Kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Iceman Kicking Podcast.
1: So it's actually increased our punt return averages every single time that that we've done it. You know, it's something that we do religiously throughout, and uh, it's been paying dividends
0: for us. Welcome to the IMK podcast, the show with cold questions and even cooler guests. And I'm ecstatic today because I've had a show that's been two years in the making uh, with Coach Sean Saturnio with me, the special teams coordinator at Army West Point. He spent some time at Georgia Southern. He spent some time as the head coach at Waipu High School. Did I say that right, Coach? Waipahu, yeah. Waipahu. Close enough, close enough. I know, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying here. And over the last two seasons, Army has blocked. 11 total kicks most in the entire FBS, uh, and he's the leader and you guys may have blocked a few more this season too am i right coach
1: yeah no we did not unfortunately we didn't block a, a field goal this year but we had three three punt blocks
0: oh yeah year, so oh yeah so he's the leader of the sauce team of the sauce team mafia welcome coach sean saturnio
1: hey Peace be
0: with you, brother, and
1: to everybody else who's listening out there. So it's a pleasure to be chopping it up with you today.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Coach, for being on. You know, I at this point I don't even refer to you as Coach Attorney anymore. I just refer to you as the Block God. Um, you know, whenever <laughs> we're talking about, you know, what where's this drill from, whatever. I said I saw it from the Block God on a you know on a podcast or a teaching segment. So we're gonna start with the heavy hitters here. Tell me a little bit about uh, you guys are a block team. I love that aggressive mindset. What is the mentality that you're looking for from a guy like what makes a great block guy on your team?
1: Well, here's the thing, too, that I think, you know, to dispel some notions out there, you know, a lot of people, when you come up in in regards to talking about kids blocking punts, you know, everybody talks about, you know, finding that guy with the knack to do it. But what's interesting is over the past three years, we've had nine blocks, nine punt blocks that were done by seven different kids. So I truly believe that it's a skill that can be developed. Now, is it great now? Some guys definitely have more of a knack than others, but I think you can drill from the very get go on allowing them to just read on how to get off on the ball when that backstripe starts to trigger all the way to where they got to finish at the end. And, you know, something that we do religiously throughout and uh, It's been paying dividends for us. And on top of that, too, I I think, you know, when we're so pressure heavy because of the byproduct of what you get, too, is that, you know, everybody's got to stay in protection over there. So it's actually increased our punt return averages every single time that, that we've done it, which is, you know, that's the that's a little hidden thing you talk about you see there, you know obviously we know how much a, a pump block can change a game but it also extremely the more pressure you bring you know it also increases your your
0: punt return average yeah and that that mentality to be honest with you coach is what got me into coaching special teams I mean I knew I wanted to do something with it but even just watching you know you spend a lot of time in high school football uh, some teams just sit back there, and it's like, man, that protection scheme is awful. Uh, no one pressures them, and then they kick a 15-yard punt, and it rolls 30 yards. So I'm sitting back there like, can we just, you know, key the back tip of the ball and slip dip and rip and freaking get after that punter? I mean, that that is so key to setting up a return. Also, like you said, do you, uh, you know, what what is the mentality that you teach those guys, or or what's the best way to to drill it into them? Because you guys have found the sauce.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it starts off with us that we don't call ourselves a pump return unit. We're a pump block unit, and that's how we refer ourselves on our call-ups. It's, you know, the return part is what happens when we don't get a block. That's how we, we view things. And, you know, there's an expectation that I think the kids come in with is that, you know, we want to be the best in the country at what we do over there. And if you're going to be part of that pump block unit, you know, there's an expectation, you know, from how you drill your mindset. And it's got to be like, when you're getting after it, it's like, there's, you're a shark and there's blood
0: in the water. I love that. I love that. Do you, uh, a lot of teams are scared of, and again, I'm I'm on yours. I've been the advocate of sending eight man blocks or sending, you know, a lot of pressure. And then there's other teams that will draw up, you know, a single twist and they're bringing three or four guys and it, and it just doesn't seem in my eyes to do it. What is, you know, what's your mentality? Obviously if they're sending less players, they're more worried about a fake, but it seems like you guys just say, Hey man, I dare you to do it. Let's see you fake it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think there's, there's validity to every side that you're looking at. I I think definitely, you know, if you're going to be really pressure heavy, you also need to make sure that you're, you know, you got your, all your ducks in a line too, that, you know, because that's the one thing, the the high risk, you know, high reward type of deal. But I think if you really get things thoroughly mapped out, that you're going to protect yourself against, you know, a lot of these, the fakes and stuff that may come. And then, you know, the thing is, you're going to have to get that thing off real, real quick, because there's a lot of guys going to be coming after you over there too. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's on both sides, I think, that, you know, one, that obviously what the mentality you got to have if you're going to be a heavy pressure team, but then also on the flip side, if you're the punt team, you know, that there's also got to be a, a kind of a gambler's mentality on do I call a, fun, a, a punt fake against this, and if I do, you know, are these guys, can I catch these guys, or if these guys, you know, got guys locked up on people, so it's, you
0: know, that that chess match match version of everything. Yeah. That's so cool. I know we've talked about, uh, you know, the towel drill and stuff is and and, and winning the get off, you know, is there, is there, what is the most key component you think, or do you, do you teach a certain drill that's your favorite? What's your, what's your go-to?
1: Uh, I think, you know, we have a progression at what we do. And by the time the season comes along, we basically break off like every week until, you know, we call it our, you know, ABCD phase, which is basically, you know the ABCD actually started more when things were traditional pro cup style you know a line burst crank destroy and you know we we talk about not we don't block punts we destroy punts over here and um i think every phase cuz cuz you can't get to the destroy uh, phase unless you've done the other phases correctly so what we do is in a 5 minute period it, as you know, even through the very last game of the season, we'll have a five-minute phase during the week where, you know, half of that will be working our ABC, and it, it's broken apart by where you play positionally. If you're more of an interior rusher all the way out to, you know, the the guys who are coming off what basically is, you know, D-gap type of guys, and uh it's from there just getting used to just week after week after week, so it's just second nature on how you know you're able to react to the ball you're making sure that again just your alignment that you know you're taking that that straightest line to the block point over there so we you know really emphasize you know, just in your initial alignment, are is my foot and are, are my screws pointed to the block point? Because we, you know, it's such a game. You know, it's cliche to say the game of inches, but it's so much so that you know you see guys that they're just almost there, and if you you go back, it might be because somebody false stepped or their initial angle. You know, they'll they'll push up, and you'll see them have to bend, and it you know that takes time. Um, real big on untying the laces, on just you know emphasizing getting low that. You know, if you can clear somebody's hips and they get on you then they actually help propel you to the block point and then um just just coming out and the second half of of that drill is just our destroy phase where we're just working just the last like five yards of just taking it off the punter's foot either two hand one hand inside you know with with a shield guy grabbing you and you got to reach around and then we always work with the scoop and score guy so you know there's constantly, you know talking about that country ball if we get it blocked that you know everybody's gonna go to pick that sucker up and if you aren't the guy to get it now you 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 know you wheel your hat around you find the most dangerous guy and and if if he's not even there and then let's go just escort each other into the end zone and have a party over there
0: man that's so cool and yeah you're right it is sometimes it's uh you know guys get lucky and it's a matter of few inches where they take it off the foot or maybe they've done the right technique and it doesn't work out. So yeah. my question with, with all that is uh, you know, w- we talk about staying on a, on a vertical path. I've heard different ways of, you know, blocking punts and if you're on a vertical path, stay in that vertical path. And if you're not cross crosses face, what's your mentality with that stuff? What do you think about crossing face, not crossing face on pump block?
1: I think um you know, interior rushing. I think it's good just to stay on the side that you're coming. Um, if you're going to, if you're coming away from the punter's foot, you know, I think coming across his body. Okay. Um, usually, if we're coming, if we're the block is coming from the edge to his foot, then trying as much as not to just more to like inside hand flash that instead of trying to cross, you know, across his body. That's. But you know what. I, I think in the end too, you know, I want our guys just playing fast. If you get there when you're supposed to get there, how you finish is how you're going to finish. Now, obviously you want them to use the, the drills and the technique. And and I think sometimes rarely are you going to get that picture-perfect drill, like the drill look – I mean, the, the rep actually looked like the drill. But I do think there's something to be said of just the repetition on how you get there, how you finish that – you know, it might not be as clean, you know, a lot of times, you know, you won't be able to take it straight off somebody's foot. And, you know, the, the other thing that we talk about, if you can't take it off his foot, then it's just try to match him as far as the angle of where the trajectory of the ball's coming. So, you know, there's just little things like that. And in the end, you know, they kind of revert back to, you hope you've repped it and trained it the right way so that, you know, when it comes down to it, that they'll
0: revert to what they've been taught well and i think it's that emphasis like you said you gotta spend five minutes every week i mean a lot of teams are just like all right we're just gonna line to all these formations now it's like if you want to be good at something you're gonna drill it and you're gonna rep it every week yeah yeah we we believe in it
1: we hang our hats on
0: it all right so a little bit about your background that was that was awesome stuff so and now my notes might be wrong here but it says you were five seven, 169 slot back coming out of high school and ended up going to a d3 Wisconsin and transferring back to Hawaii—is that? Is yeah, that- that's
1: pretty accurate. That 169 definitely wasn't out of high school, though. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was lower than that. But by the time I got to UH, you know, that was probably like that first year I got there too. And you know, just was a crazy, ex- you know, experience over there. You know, if you're a kid growing up in the islands, you know, that's the only only show in town, and you know, to be able to go
0: walk on after that was you know it was a just a great experience
1: yeah and you come too. from
0: from very humble beginnings too right not to uh digress over that but i've heard uh on you know some of your talks that you know you had a had a large family in a, in a you know smaller house uh outdoor shower uh, yeah you know, so we had person. yeah where,
1: where we grew up until about nine years old was pretty much like it was wedged between like a banana patch and just you know it was really humble but i i think you know the roots over there have never left me because you know i really look at, at calling um excuse me as coaching as is as, as my calling you know it's my ministry if you if you will and i think growing up in the islands and the way the island culture is it's just i realize when i go out to coach you know i'm representing the god i worship the family name that I represent, and all of the people across the Pacific, because there's not a ton of us out there at this level, and it's something, you know, family is the bedrock of of island culture, and, you know, it's the thing about islanders, you know, you you go away, everybody's going to be rooting for you over there, and, and you just think, too, that what you represent is far greater than just yourself. And it's kind of a, the perfect match of coming to a place like Army, which, you know, our guys represent something way, way bigger than just themselves, too. So, you know, being able to go and, and have the honor of representing an entire culture is is something that I I don't take lightly because, you know, the if I continue to do the very best I can and people recognize that, then there's going to be somebody else, there'll be a door open for someone else you know another younger guy from the island that'll come out and they'll see that hey you know these islanders can do it
0: yeah i just think that you know to be honest with you coach your personality and your positivity is infectious as you talked about before but um you know that's something really cool your sense of self is is awesome and something that you know, i i hope to replicate because the way you do it it seems very authentic and i think players feed off that oh i think just like you know just
1: coaching teaching the and everything you know what what people i think just the human condition what you look for is just like you said just genuine you know in in a world full of just sound bites and you know memes and all that stuff it's you got a lot of flash and and very little substance and and in the end people want what's real and probably the biggest thing that you always want your players and you know younger coaches to understand that you know it's so far better to be the best version of you than a counterfeit version of somebody else and you know what there's you know there's a lot of different ways I mean you can be a really energetic rah rah guy by nature and you can be a guy that's more low-key and still be phenomenal at what you do you know it's the the main thing is knowing who you are and I think that so much lends to kind of jumping ahead to just kind of like when you're coaching specialists because you know, it's far different than coaching a different position. You know, it's so much of knowing knowing you, knowing your process, not just your, you know, the physical process you have to do to kind of get ready for things, but also your mental process to,
0: you know, be able to go out and execute at the highest level you can possibly do. Oh, 100%. 100%. And you kind of touched on it and wanted to talk about it too. You're so big the mentality. And that's that's great to say. And a lot of coaches say, oh, we coach, you know, the mental side but they don't really talk about the little details. And we've kind of discussed the concentration, the breathing, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you, and this kind of leads into, how do you help them handle a bad day or how do you help them block out distractions?
1: Well, I think that one thing that you go through, well, overall for all the kids, even outside the specialists, I think, you know, if you're going to have a really healthy culture in your special teams group is, having everybody embrace the idea that, you know what, we don't have to play special teams, we get to play special teams. And that's, you know, that's like night and day on just what you're going to be able to do. And when you end up having starters on O and D are like, hey, can you talk to coach so-and-so that can I get on a couple more, you know, and that's, you know, you know, things are going well for that. Now, as far as it pertains to specialists, I think, you know, one of the big things we always talk about is just to remember that, you know, every rep you take is just independent of the 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 one that happened before and the one that's going to follow. And the, the importance of just being present in the moment over there. Don't overthink because, as we know, overthinking leads to underperforming. And to just go and just realize too that, you know what, you weren't, nobody's expecting you to be perfect. Some of the greatest athletes in any sport will have a bad day. And it's then it's going to be like, how do you, how do you respond? to those things. I always talk to our guys about just going and having a quality rep, you know? And sometimes you'll do all the right things to have a quality rep and it won't get the outcome you want. And it's just, all right, you know, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna reflect back on, on what happened. Now, maybe it's something technically happened that was, I gotta I gotta get right before the next rep. But other than that, you know, let's just flush that and get ready for the next one to go. And I think it's so important, you know, for a specialist to, like you said, it, to to know who you are know what your process is like from pregame on how much you got to warm up which again especially young specialists will do way way more than they need to um to just you know as you go and i i think one of the ways you can help that is always to have you know always to be competing whether it be in the meeting room doing rock paper scissors or just you know we got to concentration grid that we work on um you know at least once or twice a week and and just from even like drills because to me you know you can never quite well you won't be able to mimic what a game is actually like but so you have to kind of manufacture situations that will put them in situations that at least will get them used to you know not only to being able to compete but also the pressure that will come with it
0: so it's like competition aspect, like you're talking about. Whether it's not even on the field, it could be playing games, like you're talking about. Yeah, you know, roshambo. From when you're
1: charting, I mean, everything too. The more you can get guys to compete, to me, the, the better off you set uh, set them for success later
0: on. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I do like doing stuff with that or different games. You know, like playing pig or horse or whatever uh, they can engage in. Uh, what do you do with overthinkers, Coach Sterno? Because I'm sure you've had those specialists before that they are just swimming in their own thoughts and they can't get out of their own way. What do you do with those guys? Yeah, I
1: think, you know, first of all, I think, you know, as a coach, you got to really grow, you know, in how the brain develops, how sports psychology works. And, you know, because none of us really go through school for, for that you know, as for the most part, I'm imagining some probably do, but I'd say the vast majority don't. So it's, you know, the impetus on the coach to go out and develop and learn and read and talk to like, I'm a big guy. Yeah, you you don't need to be the smartest guy in the room, but find out the smart guys and and learn on how they do it. So um, it's something that you got to develop throughout the year, as you go from, from spring through fall camp throughout fall, you know, to be able to do that. And and one is um, like Ken Revisa's is a, you know, he's got this book, Heads Up Baseball, which is, you know, he was one of the first guys that really started, uh, you know, that sports psychology side in Major League Baseball. And he's got this red light, yellow light, green light kind of thing to go. And basically, without going super, super in detail of it, it's basically like that green light when everything's just going, you're in that zone, like everything, you can't even, the the goalpost should be like, well, feels like it's about half mile wide and stuff like that. So, and then, but the reality is you're not going to be in that green light phase the majority of the time. And then there's that yellow light where you kind of feel, you know, you don't feel bad, you don't feel great, but, you know, you know, there's things that you can get yourself back on track to probably be a, a little more consistent. And then there's that red light that everybody hits that, you know, it feels like things are going off off the rails, and then it's a matter of like, all right, how can I get myself out of this? So, I, you know, as they learn themselves, you know, what are the things um, that they have to do as far as their process, whether it be like how they gotta breathe, how they have to, you know, visualize things, and so, you know, I got all of them come up with a a, a particular word that helps them, kind of, if they focus on that, it kind of helps some clarity. We also share what that word is with each other in the group so that, you know, if they see, and our guys, I'm blessed with a great group that, you know, they're competitors, but they want each other to be the very best they can be. You know, it kind of stems off the kind of mentality we have as a program as a whole that, you know, that we all want to, it's not when we're striving to get that championship ring, you know, it's not because I want it on my finger. I want to put that ring on your finger. And that's, you know, that selflessness that goes on. And, you know, in the big picture from where I'm at, in particular, here at West Point, you know, those are the type of things that you got that servant leadership type of mentality that's constantly being ingrained. And it, it just helps us in our, our position room along the way.
0: Well, and that giving them that, uh, that feeling of that they have to do it on themselves, right and and help each other i think is really cool and having having that word i mean whether it's a thought or a word just like you said a mental cue we always call with our guys but whether they tell themselves hey smooth or hey lock your ankle out something to remind themselves to get them back on track
1: yeah and you know we we got this you know every every specialist in the country has heard of you know aim small miss small you know as a reading this article by these snipers out there and so we we've changed our so one time you know a lot of the, a lot of the things that we talk about too there's a psycho uh, a psychology term called you know the law of dominant thought which is basically the thing you're thinking about with the most you know that's what's going to manifest itself in its actions so. In regards, that's even in the self-talk you're happen, having, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, don't miss, you know, a lot of times too, and then you end up what you end up doing, you end up missing. So we always talk about everything that you're, as you're getting yourself ready, there's not an ounce of negativity in there. So we don't talk about aiming small and missing small, because isn't shouldn't ever be in the vocabulary. We talk about aim small, hit small. That's what we say up here and i'd like to say i was smart enough to invent that myself but I, I read that article and they i heard it and it wasn't necessarily in those terms but it kind of kind of stole that from them because you know like if you're gonna be a sniper man you gotta you got some stuff you gotta do over there so i thought it was a great uh application to that thought process to what you know specialists got to do as a whole
0: man and that's such a cool thing that that you just hit on is is working with the type of athletes I've been lucky and blessed to work with very high intellectual athletes being at UC Davis and rice, you know, some Mm -hmm. of the smartest kids in the country, but you're working with an entirely different, uh, group of athletes and students that are extremely smart. And then they're extremely driven, motivated, and, you know, they don't mess up, you know, what, what is that like? Or is that, you know, can you see the inklings of like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be a leader. This guy is going to be, you know, take, control of situations like what is that like
1: i think you know there's a lot of different ways like you know to put it in like coaching so you you got a guy like tony dungy you know who was just like guys never heard him cuss you know he rarely raised his voice extremely successful then you get guys on the opposite spectrum super fiery And, you know, it it goes down to, I think, as a coach, what we have to do, and and leadership's the same way. You know, there's, I talk to our guys all the time about that, you know, you can't be somebody you're not, just like we talk about, be the best version of you. However, you have to be able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, even in, in leadership roles that, you know, it's, it's, you can be that effective leader, that's more low key, but you know not everybody's going to be low key if you truly invested in the people you're blessed to lead you're going to not everybody's going to have your personality some you're going to have to stick a shoe up their ass sometimes and that might not be your you know your way of doing things but like what i talked to our guys about you know it's like when you're constructing something whether it be a house whether it be a successful life you know you the more tools you got in your tool belt the more you know you'll be able to build. And I'm like, you know, you're not going to need a hammer and everything that you have to do to build something. But if a hammer is required, you better darn well have a hammer with you. So you talk about that. And then I think it's just in coaching it's for us, you know, having the kids find who they are, you know, you you can talk about it. I'm like, I think they run in parallel, like who they're supposed to be as players, but more importantly, you know, find out who they are supposed to be as people. And you gotta, I think, have them help them identify that in their strengths and know and obviously we got all strengths we got weaknesses and you know to have help them navigate along the way and i think when they improve on that personal side just the extension of that is how they're going to be successful as athletes
0: so it's almost self-actualization huh teaching them to realize hey this is who i am this is what i struggle with on a day-to-day basis yep. and relating it to football yeah,
1: And then it's our job to help, you know, help them realize that and, you know, put them in situations where, again, some are going to be uncomfortable, but, you know, that's, that's where growth occurs, right? And then also, you know, to, to magnify the strengths that they do have, you know, use the strengths you got in them So, you know, it's, it's a great thing. You know, I think the more you can look at things holistically and then just compartmentalize and I'm like, okay, here's, you know, whatever position you're coaching is, I think that's, really important because in the end, you know, we're in, we're in the people development business, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get so focused in on the job we got to do X's and O's, is that, you know, that can never take the place of us serving our players and helping them become who they're supposed to be. At least that's, you know, that's my thoughts on
0: the whole thing. Man, spoken like a true teacher. I hear it. I hear it coming out of you. And, ah. uh, and that's, that really, to me, what I've seen that makes some of the best coaches is guys that have spent time at, you know, as a, just an educator and obviously coach too, but you know, I mean a boast, but I taught, taught a few years of high school, two years, but what did you learn specifically from your time as a teacher? I mean, you did it for 20 plus years, like
1: 19 19 years. I was in the public school system for 19 years. I think, um, one as a teacher, one thing you learn is that, you know, you got a bunch of individuals that come in. Yeah, they're in your class, but your class is made up and it's no different than your football teams. You know, you got a bunch of individuals and what Zig Ziglar, the famous motivational speaker talked, you know, something to the effect about, you know, people don't really care as much about what you know until they know how much you care. And I think that is is coaching is just so much of just investing and pouring into the lives of kids, especially now, you know, you got the family structure of how a lot of these kids have grown up. You know, you got a lot of kids with trust issues, a a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of our players got trouble with male authority because of, you know, not having, you know, necessarily a strong one in their life or one that maybe, you know, threw the deuces up and took off and stuff. So I think, you know, from my time in teaching was just, you know, one, treat every kid that you got love them unconditionally now you can love people that's one thing too like people hear the word love and they think this this soft stuff there ain't nothing soft about love you know it's that that, that care about them that one you'll always you know, you'll be the first one up there to hug them when things go well, and your shoe will be the first one up their backside when they start slipping. It's, it's telling them always what they need to hear, even though what they need to hear won't always be what they want to hear. And, and part of loving them is just you know always being being there for them, but also letting them helping them navigate when they gotta deal with consequences, either the good ones, the bad ones, the in between ones, um, so that you know. No, knowing your players individually that's just as a teacher to me that's the because you'll find out you know what motivates them and i think all the great ones can do that they they have a great pulse of what gets their their people going you know they know the things that that worries them that that you know excites them you know all that kind of stuff and then i think what you want to do is you want to always find ways to allow them to taste success you know, find out what they do well, start with that, and then put them in positions where they can excel at that. And this could be like, you know, we talked about like, you know, kind of specialists, but it's almost like, like on your kickoff coverage, there's, you know, you, you got a bunch of different kids, not every kid can be the skimmer, he might not be loose enough to do that. But, you know, I think teaching is always you know starting with find out what they can do well you know they called that islands of competency back in uh, when i was a teacher and it's so basically find out what they do well and, and put them in a position where they can do what they do well and then you know use that as the building block you know always start
0: from where they're at and just build from there sure essentially finding a role from right like at davis would say hey let's Find role, find what this guy does well, and make him really apply himself, whether he's a backup, you know, trying to find a spot on the punt return team and, or a punt block team, I'm sorry. Yep, um, yep,
1: yep, you got it right. You got it right, Now, huh? Kickoff <laughs> team,
0: yep, yep, or whatever role, you know, really adapting to it. We had a few guys this year where he, you know, this kid named Jeremiah, who's was our L2 on kickoff, and, man, he set that edge. He was a running back. He was kind of a reserve running back, six foot, maybe 210, but he would run full speed into those, uh, you know, wedge guys on the kickoff return team and set that edge force that yeah. ball back inside so yeah that is really cool well okay so tell me a little bit so you've gone to a few different new places and i love what you said about you know the players buying in because they find out that you care about them but it's hard when you come to a new spot right for example army or georgia southern to express hey right at the back i love you guys and i care about you and that might seem little fake because it takes time to grow that relationship so how do you show that or how do you create excitement with that
1: i think you come in i think one everybody feeds off enthusiasm you know what and you know one of the models of our um of the sauce team is if you're juiceless you're useless over there so you know you come out and obviously trust is always going to be built whether it's on a football team in the classroom in an organization and it kind of really goes hand in hand, with what we talked about earlier, you know, everybody's looking, and it's sad that we live in a society that everybody's kind of looking like, ah, this, this is going to be a little bit too good to be true kind of stuff. And I think it's, it always just comes down to consistency. Just you keep pouring into their lives every day, you know, you find out, again, trying to get even if, like, for instance, as, as a special teams coordinator, you know, you get to work with every single kid in the program, every position, so on and so forth. And it's just being able to have time where you individually find spend some time intentionally finding out all the kids, find out what hometown they're from, what high school are they from, you know, and take it because it's like what I share with our guys, as you know, they go into being officers in the army, you know, people, what you end up wanting to develop is that transformational leadership in in our players. And we cannot transform lives of kids unless our lives are transparent to them. That's what I believe. You know, and that transformational leader will be the one that can bring out the best of these kids, you know, help them along the way, become the best versions of themselves, because a lot of, a lot of times, shoot, adults, not every adult knows what the best version of themselves supposed to look like and we need, you know, help people to help us, you know, guide us along the way with that. So I think, doing that and going back like what I, I share with our guys is like, you know, a lot of people leadership is based on just transactional leadership, you know. You do this for me. I'm gonna do this for you. Versus, you know, no nah, man, it's not about that. I just wanna, I wanna be the guy that helps you become the best you. And we shared that when they go out in the army, you know, they're gonna, they're the people they're blessed to lead are gonna expect them to take an interest in the job that they have to do for them. You know that transaction that has to occur. But they won't expect when they're going up and asking about, hey, what's a Tell me a little bit about like where you grew up and things like that, because now you got a layer of investment now that goes much beyond just the transactional phase of the job that they have to do. And I think going back to your original question, that's how you do it. You right off the bat just got to show that, you know what, I'm here to transform and not just to, to have a transaction that's taking place.
0: Well, I know 100% being an ex-specialist, that is little buy-in from a coach especially who a lot of times and I'm sure they're not in your program but I've seen a lot of places where you know they are 120 of 120 on the team they sit in the back row and they're just kind of kicked to the side but anytime I had a coach reach out to me or ask me about my hometown when a lot of the time I was far away from home like man that that felt good and it made me buy-in so I definitely agree with that yeah for sure
1: yeah that's awesome
0: well I've got a few uh Coach, what, one thing I love about you, is you got a lot of proverbs, you got a lot of coachisms, <laughs> and so I'm going to throw some of them at you. This is one of our new segments. I'm going to throw them at you, and you just, in a few words, tell me what that means to you, okay? Does that sound uh-huh. good? Right? All right. One of yours is, uh, everyone comes to work, but not everyone comes to work. What does that mean?
1: It means like, you know, it's a difference between kind of hearing and listening you know everybody can hear you know noise everything externally listening is what you do actually where you fully got involved and you were present enough and you to me that becomes that that deeper investment that you have so you know it's a difference between you know you show up it's like saying all right i tell the guys all the time never mistake activity for accomplishment, because a lot of times activity will masquerade itself as accomplishment.
0: Just showing up doesn't mean
1: you've done anything.
0: Sure, sure. And actually applying yourself to that, right? Okay. What about low expectations cannot survive high standards?
1: Ooh, baby, that's, that's got to be the hallmark of everything too. You know, if, um if you got, well, it's, it's actually kind of flipped around. I you know say, I high flipped expectations it, I it. cannot survive low standards. There you go you know and that's the that's the thing too there's no change your dream if if you're not going to have the standard that is required for the dream to come true change the dream because you're only fooling yourself and and it's true that you can have the the highest expectations in the world but if they're not matched with the standards you need to achieve them then they'll never happen
0: sure sure yeah you got to put your put in the work to get to those standards right and and make it happen uh what about uh I, and I might be botching this one, but this is male by birth, man by life or man by male uh, by birth, man by choice, man by choice. So, so
1: that's basically comes off like you know, for us now speaking of of the the sport we play and, you know, obviously, it's uh, you know, vast majority now now I know there are some some females that play it. But you know what that basically is saying that you know, just our our genetics create who we are is is that'll label us as males, right? But the man, that's a choice we make. You know, there's there's younger people that, and when you talk about the man, that's that one that man built for others, that man built for service, the one that doesn't take the easy route, they take the righteous route. You know, they're looking that. you know, how can my existence in this world leave this world better by the time I'm done with it? over there and that's a choice we make. So you, on the flip side you got guys get be into the 80s and 90s that got no idea on what being a man is about.
0: Yeah, 100%, 100%. You mentioned this one earlier, but it's you know saying something to the effect of you might not always have a hammer, but if you need one you better have one or better use it.
1: Yeah. And that's just a matter of just, you know, force yourself to learn to be uncomfortable with things because that's where the greatest growth takes place and you know allow yourself to grow in areas that you might not be really good at but you need to have some type of competency in them because you know life isn't life will throw you way more curve balls and serve you up fastballs so you better be ready to be able to hang, hang, hit that hanging curve over there and you you're doing that by just the more the more tools you have the more things you can you can do and accomplish
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. And you also have said before that you have a PhD in sociology, and that you are Doctor Drip. What does yeah, that Dr. look like? Doctor Drip.
1: That's what they say. Hey, and you know, I don't deny it. I just supply it, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. What does that look like on the field, Coach? Is it is it in the fit that you got on? Is it the energy that you bring? What is it? Oh, it's just you know, in in
1: Polynesian culture, we got what's called mana which is basically that that spiritual power. And it's that's just something that that comes up. It's it's an enthusiasm that's infectious. That, you know, if you're even in that near vicinity, you're gonna get caught up in it because it's just and it's something that I think everybody wants to be part of something that just gets them going makes them excited makes them feel valued and worth and you know that gives you cause for for living and you know being able to go out and spread that enthusiasm spread that aloha serve it up daily and you know what it just makes everything around you better
0: yeah, it is. And that it, as you said before, it's infectious and it gets everyone going. Uh, you know, something a little bit al- aligned with the enthusiasm aspect, and I'm really wondering about this. Being a young coach, I've gotten the chance to, you know, in spring ball, to let me, you know, in a scrimmage, to let me call, you know, punt calls or kickoff calls. But when you have a group, normally it's kickoff and kickoff return, right? Um, and the state, you know, the stage is set and the people are rocking – it's easy to be super excited and up tempo. Are there times when you have to calm guys down and say, Hey, let's focus. What are those times? Can you think of an example where you'd have to do that? Or are you just always guns blazing? Let's go. Let's get high. Well, I
1: think you always got to have that. That's a, that's a great thing that you bring up because you, you need just, it's like, so custom model used to train Mike Tyson. All right. Back in the day. So when Mike Tyson was coming up, you know, believe it or not the great Mike Tyson who everybody feared especially when he was younger was a real insecure guy and in fact was really scared of a lot of things and custom Auto came up to, had this quote that he told him and he said you know like emotions fear being some enthusiasm you know a lot of them are just same things in different degrees they said it's like fire if you learn how to harness it then it can cook your food, it can warm your house. But if you let it go out of control, it can burn everything down that's around you. So it's that it, it's, I think that what you have to do as a coach is you just got to be really good. You know, you got to be that thermostat for because you got to know when it's running maybe too high, when it's too low that they need, and it's just going there. So I don't think there's any particular time or instance it's just knowing your guys you know if you feel they're kind of maybe too wound up that you know because you don't want to be running down like a blind dog in a meat house over there you know you got to have this focused you know this controlled aggression as you're going to go execute out there and if it goes it's just like uh custom auto was saying if if you let it go out of control then it's usually not going to work out too well because then you're going to get your missed assignments you're going to get stuff that you know, you overly aggressive isn't a good thing,
0: you know, controlled aggression is. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent controlled aggression. That's what football is, right? Um, and doing it in a great way. So, well, coach, I've had an had an awesome time riffing back and forth with you. It's always fun to talk to you. I've Got a few more questions here before we wind down. Different segment, same sort of idea. I'm gonna throw you a couple quick questions and you can tell me in a few words, you know, what does this mean to what does this mean to you or you know how it how it how it shaped you as a coach okay so coaching wise is this profession is this everything what you've dreamed of or what's the harsh reality of coaching
1: i think it is because it allows me to live my mission in life and my mission is just to go and empower people to lead and help people to find the best versions of themselves i'm just blessed that i can do it on a football field
0: yeah 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 i love that what are some fundamentals of coaching that you think are overlooked could be in special teams could be uh in any field what do you think is overlooked
1: I think um outside of the X's and O's part because I think so much of it's devoted to the X's and O's I think in probably in the the player development part the people development part because I think that A lot of the x's and o's things that people want to see manifest themselves in practices and games will be able to come a lot quicker and probably be much more sustainable you know if there's that that really authentic relationship that's developed between the coach and their 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 players again it's a blessing to lead and serve i think you know sometimes we're in a profession that's so caught up with the bottom line stuff And sometimes I think people forget that, you know, you can't get to the bottom line. If it's in a people business,
0: you better make put the people first. Right. And that's kind of what we've been talking about, right? I mean, almost the whole time, it's been about building relationships and how you do that. So what about uh, your experience from either high school to here at Army or Georgia Southern to here? What's the biggest difference from going to like a small school to a big school? What's the best thing? What's the worst thing?
1: I, I think there's just, um, you know, for one, no matter where you go from high school to various levels of college, you know, it's kids, uh, every every place has, their different things that'll cause issues. Like over here, like for us, time management over here, our guys, you know, you talk about having to maximize your time down to the minute. I mean, that's what our guys have to do. And you got to be great at doing that. And you know, so you got challenges that are different depending on on the places that, that you go. And, you know, it comes down to where you go to a place like where we were before our kids had more time. So you could see more players up in the office watching film, you know, our guys up here, you know. You know, it's funny, you talk about, hey, don't turn the X's and O's into rocket science. Well, you know, we got some rocket scientists over here, too, that got to focus on rocket science before they can get up here. So, you know, you got that thing. And then, you know, as you coaching in high school, now, you know, you know, the vast majority of those kids aren't going to go on to the next level to play. And then, so the focus is there too, especially, I think it's, it has to be the focus no matter what level you're on, but I think there's, it's more paramount that you leave them with tools that they can be successful in the game of life when they leave. And that's one of the things I've always shared with every player that I've coached that, you know, I think for us as coaches, if all our players ever got out of us was they got to be better football players than we tragically failed them over there and you know i think um what's another thing that you know we talked about too about investing in the lives of of our kids it's like you know so often we you know we expect by just kind of talking about things that somehow they're going to manifest themselves into you know reality and you know speaking more specifically character wise now I look at it the same way as this. Now, we would never just trot a kid. We would never just talk about a particular play and then never practice it. Then all of a sudden on Saturdays or Friday nights, if you're in high school, call the play and expect them to do it well. Yet it seems like that's what we do all the time in terms of who we want them to be as as young men. You know, we'll talk about it. Well, you know what? Talking about it ain't going to be that. You know, like one of the things our guys do, like I always ask our guys, right, tell me something you did today that served the people that were around you. And we're talking about people that you can't get anything. You're not going to get nothing back from you serving them. And then it's those kind of things, you know, be intentional. It's just like, you know, taking intentional reps as a specialist, you know, it's if you take intentional reps, both in the physical and the mental game, then you're going to put yourself in a, a great position to be successful. And that's, I think that's the exact same thing that we have to do in creating the type of men that this world needs. Like we better be practicing that stuff, and you can do it. I mean, obviously, you can't spend a ton of time on it, but it's not necessarily the the quantity of time, but the quality of time that you do it and and be intentional. You know, have them go and say, "Hey, when you come back tomorrow, I want I'm going to ask you this. So make sure that you go out and you're going to be able to tell me something that." You did x y or z and i think the more you do that you know the more things that you're going to see because the game you know the game's going to leave them a lot quicker than they all think it is right but you know being a man will never leave them you know that's what so again can't just be a male you know hopefully we can be the men that they're
0: supposed to be that's good yeah and it's developing i, I love that question or just asking your players questions it means like hey something outside of football, what are you doing to better yourself or better others around you? That's yep. really awesome. My last thing being, being, you know, a family man, what do you, in, in coaching at that highest level, what do you do to, you know, be it, be, how do you balance family time? How do you balance all the the work life stuff? What do you do for your yeah, family? That's,
1: you know, one, God bless my wife, Sharon, because, you know, coaches, wives and coaches children you know they they have to sacrifice a ton because you're they're sharing their husbands their dads you know with you know, with everybody else's kids a lot of times um i think it's uh, as a coach what you need to do is one be non-negotiable in the time that you're going to be spending with your family now where, even if it's like hey dad's on you know i'm going to be home for we're going to eat dinner together. We're not going to look at our phones. And then dad's got to run back to the office or or whatever the case may be. But, you know, just being there, one of the, the tragic things that you don't want your players to end up seeing, and even worse is your children to see is that, you know, you're, you're physically present, but mentally and emotionally absent. You know, it's like what we talked about kind of at the beginning of the podcast about being present you know, just as a specialist, like being there, just focus in on that moment. And you know what? Our families deserve 100% of us 100% of the time when we're there, you know, and that's the thing. And, you know, it's easier said than done, because we live in, uh, we're in a profession that pulls you all sorts of ways. And we said, like, it is a bottom line industry. But you know what? The fact of the matter is the programs we coach for will be there with or without us but our families won't. And we can't put so much emphasis on, you know, coaching our teams and not forget that the most important team that needs us as a coach is the one under our own roof. Yes,
0: 100%. 100%. Man, there's some great lessons in there, Coach D'Atonio. I can't thank you enough for coming on the the IMK podcast. Is there anything you got going on going forward that you want to mention or plug or
1: no man gotcha. it just 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 blessed to be able to do what i do just yeah you know, I, I appreciate you bringing me on and you know in hawaiian the word is called manao just you of know, sharing some thoughts out there and you know um job is to serve you know whether it be our players the, the community you know people that listen to this podcast you know i just I've been extremely blessed. I've seen some very highs in my life and have walked through some very low parts and you know all of that just kind of helped hone a perspective that I got and you know I know what I'm built for, what I'm created for and I realize, you know, that you know what I do isn't who I am and just I just want to go, you know, do my part that in the end God can look at me and say my good and faithful servant
0: and I did what I needed to do. So, yeah. Well, that sense of self and that understanding coach that I respect that a lot. I look up to that, and and uh, you know, look to you as a mentor in this profession. So thank you again.
1: Well, I'm proud of you too, man. I know the the route you've been on, and just keep grinding away. You know, it, it's there's there's
0: even more on the horizon for you, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That's been Coach Sean Saturnio on the Ice Kicking Podcast. Aloha, beat Navy. Beat Navy. All right. Thank you, Coach. A word from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by the Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible. Ever wondered about how many kicks you should do during practice after pulling your quad multiple times? Repeatedly snapping the ball over your punter's head? Keep getting dumped by all your girlfriends for missing kicks. Well, we can't help with all those things. But for some of those, there's the Kicker's Bible. Proven training methods and secrets used by NFL specialists, written by yours truly, Brett R. Kelly, with over 20 NFL specialist accounts including personal excerpts from record-setting and Hall of Fame specialists David Akers and Shane Graham. If you are interested in any of these fantastic tips and excerpts discussed in this episode, visit icemankicking.com or go to my Twitter bio, iceman underscore kicking.